Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sam Legasic. And I'm Dreadful Dan Gallagher. And we're two old buddies that have lived our life at the edge of the mainstream. So come join us where things are a little odd. This is the of yours will be reduced to a burned out cinder. Hello everybody and welcome to Oddcast Movies, Music and Gaming. Now, here with me, as always, is Dan. Hello Dan, dreadful Dan. Hello, how are you? I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, thank you. Now, Dan, I want you to close your eyes and imagine a world where, it, <laughs> where you're lying in your bed and then all of a sudden, down the chimney, comes a huge sticky penis. And this huge sticky penis, <laughs> you're suddenly attached to it like a, like a fly on a well, fly paper. And then all of a sudden, you're dragged out of your home and you get, sw- and then you find out that penis it goes into like a hole, and you've just been eaten. How do you? How would you feel about that? Well, pretty disappointed, really. <laughs> disappointed. I just thought I'd go out in a more mundane fashion. I thought I'd just like trip over a curb or something. Well, Dan, this would be one of the many dangers that you would face if you lived on Le Sauvage Planet. No, Le Planet Sauvage, otherwise known. That's the fantastic planet. Fantastic planet. Special grand prize, Cannes Film Festival.
fascinating. A fine adventure story. Fantastic Planet. So, Fantastic Planet, uh, Le Planet Sauvage, is a surreal, satirical science fiction animated film released in 1973. Um, it was based on the 1957 novel En Sans Série by Stéphane Vaux, um, which was then adapted by the French uh, artists Roland Topor and uh, the movie's director René Laloux. Um, it concerns a race of giant blue drags on the planet Gam uh, and their relationship with the human-like Oms, who are treated as either pets or pests. Narratively, it follows the arc of an orphaned baby Om, brought up as a drag pet, but who eventually joins a tribe of wild Oms and becomes something of a folk hero, educating himself and his peers and leading a societal uprising. Uh, Production began in 1963, and it was produced in Prague, um, Mm. where they had more of an infrastructure for making animated films. Upon release, it was awarded the Grand Prix Special Jury Prize at the 1973 Cannes Film Festival and received some strong critical review. It has really been relegated to uh, cult status and really only started gaining wider popularity with the advent of DVDs and streaming. And there was a time when it was very hard to get hold of, uh, wasn't there, Sam? Mm. Yeah, it was, um, yeah, for me, uh, I watched this at uni and it was a uni friend's cousin had just brought it around and I, I don't know what it was on. Um, and I was astounded. I'd never seen anything like it before. But the reason why he brought it around is because he had heard about the music being sampled by other like French DJs and stuff. And I think DJ Shadow uh, might have used some samples of it as well um, and all this. And he sought it out and then he actually bothered to watch the film. And then he was like, yeah, you guys got to watch this. So we watched it together and it blew my mind. But afterwards I was like, I really want to see that again. Where can I get hold of it? And you couldn't get hold of it anywhere. And I had to find, um, and this was like, I think eBay had just like properly been a thing by this yeah. point. Um, I was able to find a DVD, an Australian DVD, um, which was just the movie. Um, and I think it cost me like 20 quid or something, which obviously back then as well is like, you know, it's no small change. And um, 
Yeah, best one of the best purchases ever made. Because when I sat <laughs> and watched it again, I was like, man, this is even better than when I first watched it. Um, so yeah, this is always held, so the film's always been quite close to my heart. And I've got like a poster um, from the Japanese, an original Japanese um, cinema poster, whatever, um, which has one of the scenes from it. Um, and it looks fucking weird and it terrifies my girls. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, but it's great. And this is, yeah, this is always one of those films that um, always sticks in my head. And uh, for me, um, it's pure imagination. It widens my uh, uh, perception of what you, of what, of reality, basically, and what... Um, people can comprehend. I think it's very impressive on that front. Nice. And I first heard about film uh, through you. Mm. Um, maybe I enjoyed your Australian DVD at some point. I can't remember actually sitting down and seeing it the first time. Have you still mm. got that DVD? Yeah, somewhere. I think, I think weirdly, um, it was on Amazon Prime recently and a few, I say recently, like four years ago or something. Um, and I remember... Uh, I was banging on about it to a few people at work and they were able to watch it because it was online. So you can get it. You, you should be able to get it anywhere, basically now. But um, uh, yeah, I've still got that Australian DVD somewhere. Um, it may have become a collectible for the insane, fantastic planet. I don't think, I still don't think it will be more than what I paid for it <laughs> back in the day though, <laughs> even adjusted for inflation. Um, um but yeah, yeah, I loved it as well. I, you know, when I think about it, I think I, just, I love the look of the film. I love the inventiveness of the film. Mm. You know, it's so um, full of sort of like whimsy, but also danger and and really like really terrible cruelty. I remember mm. the first time seeing it, there are some things that are deeply upsetting. Mm. Um, I think, you know, on, on repeated reviewing, uh, repeated review, it's kind of made me, anticipate those scenes and so I've gone a bit hardened to them but I was trying to remember like oh the first time I saw this that was quite shocking mm. um I kind of see it as like a like a Swiftian kind of satire mm. um yeah. and for me you know I think a lot of people can probably read a lot of things into it but my first impression was like oh my god god like this is about the the, the treatment of animals like yeah. people's treatment um you know the the oms basically to me, could represent animals. But, you know, essentially the film is a big uh, allegory. It's like a, mm -hmm. a fable. And I suppose different people can then read into that whatever they like. Um, you know, it forces us to empathise with the Oms. Mm. Um, and at that point, it just depends what issue is at the forefront of your mind, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's, you know, as well, like what was happening at that time with the civil rights movement and all this stuff. Um, and a lot of people say it's to do with that and just general human rights or like, you know, anti-slavery um, as well. The fact that um, it, it could be seen as like a class thing as well. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's and just the power and political power um, and all this. So... Yeah, it kind of takes that whole thing of like, you know, what the the fact that these the, the because the thing is, what makes it weird and weird to watch, and I've, I'll probably go into this a bit more later. I always say that, but is that the drugs? Um, if that's what they call the company, is it drugs or drugs? Drugs, drugs, isn't it? I think. drugs are us, and that's the thing is that we very you're not 
you're not um not sympathizing but you're not um what's the word you're not seeing yourself as the oms who are human not really until the end anyway but more as the drugs who have like a society and they're talking properly and like there's a teenage girl and it's like they have kids mucking around and like you are familiar with how they're doing stuff which makes it more upsetting when you're seeing them treat the oms like they do because you're like well they're the humans they're me Absolutely. But yeah, I'm acting like them who are, and that's the thing, as you said, it's like, it's quite nasty, but, and cruel. Um, but it's, it's, it, it's in a very subtle kind of way, like, and it's in the way that we may tease like a pet, like with some of this stuff, talking about like animal cruelty and all this stuff, there's a lot of things in it whereby you think, oh, it's a child. They don't know what they're doing and things like that. But, like, um, that, like that first scene. I mean, let, let's talk about that a little bit because that's quite, yeah, you know, the opening sure. scene and, and it's pretty pivotal and sets up, I think, this um, aspect of the film. Mm. It's horrific. Um, yeah, you've got that, that, you don't know what's going on. It's like a chase, the desperation mm. on this woman with her baby and that mm. big blue hand that keeps flicking it down the hill. Mm. Um, and like you say, you know, then they, they pan up and it's just it's just kids and they've killed... The woman and the, the little baby's crawling around. Yeah, um, it's it's quite hard hitting as a mm. opening to a film, um, mm. but of course, you know they're not they're not necessarily cruel. They just come across as completely naive. They don't really understand even that they're abusing another species. They're just like ants, insects, or a plaything for them. Um, mm. And then they go, oh, you know, oh, um, like. Master, the master's coming along, not the master, but uh, an yeah, adult, the, basically. The, well, they call him like the grand master or something, who's the, the our, you know, the, our main oms, the hero om, um, guardian's uh, father, basically. And even he comes along, and he, he's not cruel, but he has an air of indifference about him as well. He's just like, oh, mm. no, dead, dead om, that's a shame. And... Um, yeah, she's like, "Oh, can I keep the baby?" He's like, "Oh, yeah, I probably should look after the baby, but there's no." Yeah, it'll, it'll die otherwise. So, like, yeah, yeah, it's that. It's that kind of like being decent, but not really having insight or compassion. And that's again, that's quite uh, quite a shocking sort of uh, revelation. Mm. And yeah, part of it, and to, so for the the drugs, basically, they are giants, essentially, to compared to us. Um, like we fit into the the size of their palm, basically. Um, and they've got bright red eyes. They look scary. And there's a few cool cuts, actually, where like there's one bit where they try and get them to fight and he looks up and you just see them looking down like that. Um, I don't know if you remember that yeah. shot. They're like looking down with it. Yeah. And even though you've already established that she's basically a kind of like, you know, she's starting to become a teenager or whatever. She's not particularly mean or cruel. She's just a bit like, blah, I've got my little pet and whatever. I want to fit in with my friends or whatever, like very much like a high school kind of girl. But um, like you you are terrified of the way they look. You are to begin with. And even when you're used to it, when you see a shot like that, you're like, fuck me, that is so scary. That is like, <laughs> that must be absolutely horrifying to look at. Um, so they look scary. And also they like wear like, weird clothes and they've basically got their boobs out um for the most part yeah um but yeah that first scene is sets it up so well because um 
yeah, that's just, it's, it sums up the whole thing, like in a sense of it's horrific, it's relentless. It's, as you said, it's nasty um, in this world that they live in, but yet there seems to be almost like no maliciousness or something to it. It's just like the way we are, they are, whatever. Um, and it's, it's just like that indifference almost makes it, it scary. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, it's great. Picking up on that thing about slavery as well, when I was watching it, I, I thought um, they don't make it that explicit and it might be because of the translation. Mm. Um, but obviously like the men, the uh, the oms, mm. and that's like, um, like phonetically in French, that's om. like om. So they're, mm. they're the men. Mm. Um, and the, the little boy... The baby who becomes like the the protagonist, I suppose, in a sense. Mm. He he gets named Tear. That's right. Yeah, which is Earth. Yeah, Latin for Earth. So, I do think Terra. as well they reference they've ta- they've taken them from a planet, which we can take to be Earth. Um. So yeah, that, so they brought them to that planet to be slaves, essentially. Like they're not yeah. they're not domestic. Um, no, I think they say something about like it's a scientific experiment or something, or maybe I made that up, but there's something like that. But yeah, you're right. They basically are like, oh, we've taken them and now some of some are wild, um, but we keep them as pets. But they're like, yeah, at that point they're like, they are <clears throat> intelligent and they're quite rebellious in their nature. Um, and that whole like, you know, humanity kind of coming through um, is quite interesting in terms of like our nature to you know, we've stripped, you know, evolution or whatever, and like the ability to like work together. And that's how humans have been able to adapt and survive. It's because of, you know, X, Y, Z, and that's how we've got this far. Um, yeah, it's, it's weird. It's cool. Some of those comments from the drugs, it really does sort of like have echoes of, you know, like colonial slave owners. Yeah. Like he's been giving me a bit of trouble recently, but uh, we just, yeah. you know, we they also treat them, them like, they t- well, yeah, exactly. They talk, to, they talk to them about them like they are things. And th- and there's, well, and towards the end, they do a mass cut, they do ethnic cleansing, essentially, with gas yeah. as well, which is like, you know, kind of brings up the idea of like the gas chambers and whatever in Nazi Germany. And, um, you yeah. know, and they've got, there's that horrific scene where <clears throat> the drugs are walking through and they've got the three bombs in like gas masks who I imagine are like, to know like dogs essentially trying to find mm. the other arms um and they're just walking very slowly and, so like, and there's all this gas and stuff and they're all like like dying um and all this stuff deoming they call it um uh yeah so there's that element as well of that kind of you know authoritarian fascist i don't know like um yeah. side of it um uh, yeah the novel i don't did you know this the translation of that is um, men coming together. Oh, really? So kind of like, I suppose you could translate it as like an uprising, maybe? Sexist. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> it sounds like a gay porn film. Um, so um, I suppose you could, I suppose the, the uh, intention of the author originally was it was probably more about, about that, about an oppressed people yeah. coming together. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, like for me, my first instinct was it's about the treatment of animals, but yeah, it's basically like mm. any oppressed group, basically. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it's, uh, 
It's great. Yeah, it's really good. Um, it's really, I mean, pretty obvious, but the same way, like as you said, it's kind of what you bring into it, right? Um, yeah. And everyone loves an underdog <laughs> as well. <laughs> like the idea that this, you know, it's it's basically, <laughs> there's an element here where it's the same as like Dancing with Wolves or Avatar, where it's like they go from one society to like, you know, the wild or whatever, who are more in touch with nature, or, you know, and all this bullshit. And it becomes the leader of it. And he's able to like, I will take my knowledge of the oppressive world and I will use it against them and we will conquer or we'll learn to live together as this as the case may be. Um, yeah, so there's an element of that about it, which always, you know, is always an interesting story. Yeah, and he, uh, that character, uh, Tear, um, I mean, he, he does feel like a, a very familiar sort of character in that sense, like you just said. And it's kind of a convention, I think, of... Um, these kinds of stories like fables and allegories. Yeah. That these characters are quite uh, stock. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, like in terms of characterization, mm. him as a sort of chief protagonist um, and some of the other supporting characters and uh, and the drags as well, like none of them really have all that much, I'd say, like character development, character depth. Um, they sort of act more as like, ciphers i think to you know get across certain concepts and, and tell the tell the story that they are trying to trying to yeah. tell here yeah i mean a, yeah i mean a lot of it's off screen so for instance so tear we should say is the narrator of the piece um who's looking back in you know looking back on the story or whatever and, and kind of let you know what's what's going on but it's very few and far between he maybe says something once every 10 minutes or something. It feels like, um, he's not, it's not like a constant, it's not Blade Runner or something where it's like a constant narration or whatever, like a film noir. It's, um, just these little bits every now and then that just kind of fill you in like to the gaps. Um, and yeah, he, you're kind of with him. And then when he goes to see the wild arms, um, and all this, you're kind of rooting for him. But there's, there's no, as you said, you're kind of seeing things through his eyes, but there's no actual, he does develop in a sense of he becomes more intelligent and he learns to use their stuff. And he's got, and right from the beginning, they kind of make it clear that he's um, rebellious, basically. Like he doesn't, he, he tricks his drug. He, um, he's the one that runs away. He like nips her finger. He, he, refuses to like fight or do anything and all this oh, yeah. stuff um and all this stuff so he's a bit they kind of put that they do these little hints at his like bubbling resentment um underneath it all um and then yeah he he basically becomes this kind of it doesn't become a leader until like near the end but um there's not even really a resolution to his character whatsoever i think the last thing we see of him they're like <laughs> one of the guys is like yeah they're gonna like blow this place up or whatever soon. We need to get out of here on those rockets. He's like, okay. And then you never see him again. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. And then it's the end of the film. Um, so it's just not really a development in that sense, but they do hint at like little things like, <clears throat> like the king of the wild arms or whatever. He kind of comes around to this way of thinking. They, they've got um, like the old woman who is part of another tribe of wild arms. Um, and she's got these like triangle boobs. I always remember looking at it. It's like really horrible, <laughs> weird triangle boobs. They're like yams. Yeah, so weird. Dry um, yams. But, yeah, but she's hardly in it. So she goes from like, yeah, 
I think it's a she anyway, like, uh, who are you kind of thing? You're fuck you, whatever. To like, okay, we've got to get out of it because they're killing us all. To suddenly like, oh, I'm dying and, you know, survive. <laughs> that's it. It's all three scenes. So you've kind of got this weird arc with her, but it's like you just presume everything else is happening off screen. Um, yeah. And like there's a 15 year jump at one point uh, where they just go from like, oh, we've escaped to like, we're building rockets. Um, <laughs> you're just like, oh, right. Okay, cool. Um, so there is a development, but yeah, there's not really much fleshing out of the characters, but I don't feel like there needs to be. Um, but everyone's kind of got enough to keep you interested. Like the teenage girl drug, how she kind of grows up into like being a teenager and all this stuff. There's an element of like, I mean, he basically goes, oh, she got bored of me. Um, and so I thought I'd left because he can kind of see the end coming for him. And he's like, right, well, I better fuck off before she kind of throws me out. And the dad, um, where he's, he goes from like, uh, these arms, whatever, to like, I don't know, they're pretty intelligent. We've got to be a bit careful to like, all right, seriously, we're getting fucked now. Like, <laughs> we've got to sort, sort this out. Um, so everyone's kind of got something of an arc, but it's not fleshed out like whatsoever. It's more just to serve the story there's no like yeah. defining characteristics there's no time to like um you know reflect on stuff or absorb it's literally like a sequence of events with these guys and that's fine and um but yeah it's not a character heavy it's not character piece at all really at all absolutely yeah it's more sort of like you said plot driven uh, development mm-hmm. rather than any sort of like emotional depth um yeah and like you say, serves the purpose of the film. Mm. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And one of the things that, you know, like I said, came through for me when I saw this first time was that just like brutality and the cruelty in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of like already mentioned the, the drugs, mm. but we do also see that it's kind of like part of society. It's also just part of life. And we do mm. see cruelty in the uh, the wild om communities as well. Yeah. Um, so it feels like that is a major part uh, or a theme of this movie. I just wondered if you had any thoughts about that. Yeah. Um, for me, like the actual planet itself, they did really well. So like in terms of Earth, when you think of Earth, when you think of, um, you know, humans or whatever, we're used to being in like, for the most part, like lush water being obviously like life, um, loads of greenery, forests and stuff. Whereas with this, it is a stark desert for the, basically. So that is constantly oppressive and it yeah. constantly um, makes you feel on edge because there's yeah. nothing, there's like zero life and the kind of animals that live there um, are nasty, horrible. And like the imagination that's gone into it is incredible, but just the sheer stark nature of it um and the fact that it, it looks very oppressive from all like everything's like for the most part like angular or weird and like you know whether well, actually it's not all angular but there's some you know there's some bits that are actually it's a complete lie that some phallic stuff as well <laughs> a lot of phallic stuff yeah um but sometimes uh, there's um i mean it does feel like hostile all the time but but then sometimes there's something that is like fairly innocuous mm. but you the whole time you're thinking, could that actually have inherent danger? Yeah, because you don't know. And that's the thing is that it's like all these things are just like 
completely new. Like it's not, they're not based yeah. on anything, which is what's great. and makes it purely imaginative. So you literally have no idea. And that's the thing, like that fear of the unknown is constant <laughs> with this. As you're watching, like they're just, as soon as you see a new thing, as soon as they go and they're walking and it's a, a new what's it, you're like, and it literally anything could happen. I don't know what it is. Is it a creature? Is it a flower? Is it something that's going to kill them? And for the most part, it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's it's incredible, yeah. And the way that, <clears throat> as we were saying before, um, the drugs, uh, how they are as a society, it's very similar to ours. Um, but as we were saying, like the things that um, they do to the uh, OMS, such as like, something simple is in blowing like eye powder stuff in their face or just like, yeah, tying the hair together and making them fight yeah. and all this stuff is like horrible to see, but it is essentially like that weird thing that you feel like you could do. Like there's one point where it's like she almost, and everything, every single aspect of their playing has a dangerous element to it where he's like mm. fearing for his life constantly. Um, and you might think it's you being like, you know, if you do this to animals or whatever, you might think, oh, it's just harmless, love, just teasing or whatever. But like when you're actually watching it and you don't understand it and something bad is happening, it's like you're feeling that fear. So for instance, like there's one bit where he's getting covered in crystals. Um, yeah. And it's kind I of going up scene. and up and up him. And he's like, he's like, fuck, I'm fucked. Like I'm joining crystals. And then she whistles and then it just breaks. And then he starts walking around and whistling. And actually that's quite an important scene because if you notice he whistles, and he's just doing that. And as he starts walking along, he starts whistling a tune. Yes. And then you start realizing that that is the human nature of like art and culture or whatever, and all those things that make us, you know, human basically, um, kind of starting to like come through because he's not just whistling a single note. He's now whistling a kind of a tune and that's just come uh, okay. naturally to him. Um, Out of a um, sense of self-preservation. So like, yeah, yeah, like art well. develops out of the, you know, you have the necessity to survive. And then once you've got that, then art and culture can follow. Yeah, 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 yeah. true. Um, and I was trying to think of another one. There was something else where it was like, oh, the rain cloud. So they've got like a cloud that goes above him and it's raining and, it's, and he gets hit yeah. by thunder and lightning and all this. And she's just like playing, but you just think that's fucking awful. That's so horrible. And then I think it's the same thing when people like, use like a hose on their cat or dog or something. It's like, oh, look, yeah. it's getting all wet, silly thing or whatever. And it's like, yeah, yeah stop it. Like, uh, you know, um, and there's nothing like, it's not necessarily, as you said, there's not, the, the fact that there's an weird innocence behind it makes it even more terrifying because they're yeah. so fucking massive as well. And it's just like, you could just break or die. And they're like, oh, be careful. You might kill it. Um, you might hurt it and all this stuff. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's like constant. It's a constant state of unease, like watching the film, because every single scene, there's an element of like death just lurking yeah. around the corner at any moment. Um, For me, um, one of the things that I really remember, and this kind of like is um, the amazing like inventiveness of the development of the world. Mm. Um, some of these characters that they put in there just to keep you on this like on edge. You know, there's this creature. You don't know what it is at first. Like you say, like is it is it a friend or is it foe? And it's kind of, in this kind of like weird tree cage thing. Yeah, no, exactly. And it's like about. kind of like smirking and giggling. And it's yeah, you'd say this catching these creatures that are kind of like birds, right? And you're like, you're like, okay, shit, it's going to eat them. 
it is, it is, a, it is a dangerous creature. It's going to eat them. And it's not even eating them. It's just taking this vile sort of like satisfaction and then just like smashing them dead on the floor below. And you see mm. like the ground is littered with all these dead birds. And he's just going, <laughs> he's just laughing, just spiteful for the sake of being spiteful. It's one of the famous bits. Yeah, so funny, so weird and horrible when it's own way. I think as well, like one of the other things I was just, I was just looking through my notes and that also makes it slightly disturbing to us as we're watching it is that it doesn't follow our laws of physics either. So mm. you'll notice, and this is something that we'll, we'll come on to later, I imagine, um, with all like the meditation sequences and the whole like blending and how they change shape and all this stuff. It it's that you know we're not only in this weird world, but our what is actually real and what we can do is also in question. So there's that added threat that it's like you're not even playing by the same rules in terms of reality, mm. um, which yeah, I thought was also something that's a bit scary in itself. Even though it doesn't necessarily, there's nothing that necessarily scary happens from it, like throughout the whole film, if you know what I mean. Um, in a sense of where they're meditating and all this stuff, it's just fucking horrible one to look at. And two, it just suggests that like, there's weird stuff here that as a human, you can't comprehend or understand. Again, I thought that kind of um, was a nice touch of, you know, putting you in the position of the oms, you know, and, and feeling like you're the, the an animal or the lesser developed species. Cause you're looking at everything and thinking this is bewildering. Because mm. I don't understand yeah, it, it's scary. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know something's happening. I can see that something's happening. Like, like I can tell they're eating, but I don't mm. understand how it works or why. You know, mm. when they're sucking these weird like crumbs out of a cloud. <laughs> yeah, that's how they um, eat or whatever. Yeah. The Popcorn, other bit that really like shocked me first time I saw this is the the one scene that I remembered from the whole film. Um. And it's such a, a little thing, but it works so well. So yeah. sad. <laughs> that egg hatches and this little baby comes out of it. Little baby animal. Yeah. And it's like so cute. And they're just really like playing with your emotions here. You can feel them like cranking it up, crank it up a notch. And it's all like, oh, and it's all, it could almost go, mama. <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> quite go quite that uh, far. But there's this other animal and, and, it, and, it, and it licks it, you know, with like maternal love. And you're like, oh, that's nice. And it just eats it. <laughs> and it's like, like that, that is the cruelty of existence. Born, death, immediately. Just like <laughs> one little moment of hoping that you're safe and secure, but you're not. Never. Yeah. Never secure. Um, and yeah. the most innocent are going to be eaten. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think as well, like, it, yeah, it was interesting as, um, talk about like the brutality of everything, like the Star Trek style, like fight scene, um, where oh. they have, like the animal strapped to their neck. And I was just thinking, Amazing. it's quite interesting how they, the same way that they have used us to fight, they are using other animals to fight for them. And basically once they were done, they were killed anyway. So, um, yeah, but that bit was quite horrific in its own yeah. like weird way. And it's, it's genuinely terrifying because basically what happens is they've got their hands strapped behind their backs. It's a one-on-one -on -one duel. They've got their hands uh, tied behind their backs and they've got these creatures who have these big like pincer-like mouths, um, kind of like, a, like a parrot or something. I don't know how to describe it. Um, like an alligator? 
Yeah. Legless alligator. But like it's got like a beak. It's like a sharp beak thing. Yeah. Um, and they're tied to the front of each of these guys. And they basically, they have to try and kill the other person by just basically walking into them a bit. It's a bit weird. I don't really understand. Um, yeah, the kind of, uh, the the dance of the fight in this sense, <laughs> if you will. Um, just walk and hope that your animal snaps at the other guy's neck. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, even that was like, that was quite brutal. And also like, there's a kind of sexual undertone to a lot of the stuff that happens here. But um there was, I don't remember if you remember that sequence where um, he tear just like looks out and these people are like queuing up around what looks like the skull of um, a drug and they oh, walk yeah. to the top, they get these little balls and they take one or whatever and they start glowing. Um, and then essentially I think this might be another like drug, wouldn't surprise me basically, this is kind of like a drug reference. And then the women strip off and they fucking leg it and then the men chase them and they all basically go off and fuck is what the what they're basically trying to say and even that was like i i was like is this a consensual thing because it's weird <laughs> yeah, it's not if not i'm not sure it, yeah it's not clear what it is and i was thinking even that is a bit like you know um I, I was like, I don't know if that's brutal or not, but it was... Well, uh, it's kind of primitive. I mean, they're, 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 yeah. they're shown as a very primitive, feudal, almost kind of pagan um, yeah. type of people, aren't they? Like, <laughs> and like you say, that that fight that they have really evidences that. Yeah. Um, and I think I think what you say is true. It's kind of a very pessimistic attitude that this film takes in showing that, you know, the, the abused, they're abusers themselves. And essentially... Mm-hmm whoever's got a bit of power, they'll always uh, manipulate the next layer down. Mm. Like those animals that are forced to fight, like you said, one, one dies and, and the victor gets stabbed in the head and just jumps yeah. off to the side. It's, yeah. Again, it's like a really sick moment where you think, it's just... Um, life's it's not fair. Life's not fair and, and it's just senseless. Yeah. What, ha- what happens? Right. Uh, You're right. Uh, um. But things like that, you know, so absolutely full of imagination. And that's when, and there's a paradox here. You see these things and they're sickening, but at the same time, um, the film's so like vital with these with these brilliant ideas. And it could have really fallen flat on its face, I feel like. Mm. Making a film like this, and then you've created this whole world. And if you can't fill it with new ideas it could have been a really boring kind of like like visually movie but um these guys are absolutely on fire i think like i was staggered by how imaginative mm. this film is mm. like just sitting down imagine how fun it was sitting down and coming up with that that fight sequence like how are we going to do it what kind of like monsters are we going to have it's insane um, absolutely insane i don't know that's what i mean it's just like it's was it like david lynch calls it i can't remember but like basically a sense of pure imagination it's just being able to completely clear your mind of anything so that things like this could could enter it um and some yeah, transcendental looks, meditation shit yeah tm <laughs> tm stuff um pure creativity uh and yeah i love it absolutely i love it i mean um it's like looking at it it's like, I think it's an element of where it's like hand-drawn, it's cut-out stuff as well, I think I read somewhere. Um, oh, the style. The, mm. Yeah, the animation style alone is fantastic. Yeah, and that lends itself a lot to 
because uh, but yeah, the guy, what's his name again? Roland Topor or something. Topor, yeah. Um, uh, he basically ended up doing a lot of the production design stuff. So I imagine a lot of this weird stuff would have come come from him. But if people don't know, apparently he wrote uh, The Tenant, which um, Polanski ended up making a film there. Oh, did yeah, he write he was, that? Yeah. Um, I've seen that film. That's really good. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he was a surrealist generally by nature, which obviously you can kind of see um, come through and really helps with something like this. I mean, one of the things that always sticks out with me is the fact that it uses these like pastel colors for the most part, mm. um, like the bright blue and the bright red of the drugs, for instance, really stands out against these kind of pastel colors, but also the pastel colors don't make it look very like washed out. And it's again, it, I was thinking, yeah. yeah, it kind of plays into that thing where like we as humans are used to seeing like bright, rich colors or whatever. Um, not these kind of washed out, bleached out, like more pastel muted colors. Um, yeah. And I think that again pushes, I mean, it's a quite a simple sci-fi thing, especially of that era of like, it's on another planet or whatever. But um, I think having that throughout the whole film was quite key because it never felt like home whenever you're watching it. It yeah. felt like you were definitely on another planet in the fact that it's like a different palette um, from Earth. Uh and yeah, like the way it's just animated, it's so it's done so beautifully and with such like care. Um, it feels like as well that um, yeah, it's incredible. There's a few like really incredible sequences, like where they meditate and they go off in these bubbles. They lose their, everything, kind of melts and all this stuff. Um, that meditation scene specifically of the sort of well, I presume like of seniors of the council or something. Mm. These four guys sit down. Well, I had it. That, that's sorry, amazing. Go on. Yeah, yeah, that it is, is amazing. That's like a set piece of the film, I think, and um, that's like super psychedelic, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> they're like well, melting, you... and you see their their yeah. lungs, and it's mm, yeah, really lungs, great yeah. sequence. Yeah, it's um, so that's part of the the sexual nature of it because you find out at the end that basically this medit- the reason why they meditate so much and part of it, they kind of talk about it like it's a drug, like they're addicted to it or whatever, but basically they go off to this other planet, this literally the planet Sauvage, planet. yeah, um, which they think will be their home and they get there and they just see these fucking like headless statues that look like, you know, Michelangelo's David or whatever. Um, oh my God, is it Michelangelo's David? Yeah. Yeah. And... Um, and you're like, what the fuck is going on? And then they all float down on the and become the heads. They start dancing. And I think there's an element where it's all like supposed to be, you know, so this is how they mate. They say this is how they create their species to continue or whatever. And, with, um, with visitors from other planets. That's right, with visitors from other planets. That's yeah, right, it's just correct. like intergalactic dogging. Yes. Yeah, it is. And I think part of it of um, when you're, so, you know, there's also obviously there's a bit of like a drug thing to it yeah fine whatever. drug but drug drug yeah didn't even think about that but when they when that sequence you're talking about is the four of them sitting there i saw that as kind of like a swinging 60s like group orgy thing that they're all just doing yeah. it together because they all start molding into each other and if you remember um that's when the the drug comes in and they immediately whoop, stop and they go back to normal it's like you shouldn't be here so it's as yeah. if like it's as if they've walked in on them fucking basically you're um, right yeah uh, and I was like, this is sex. This is yeah. sex. Caught them fucking. Caught your parents yeah. fucking another couple of parents or something happening here. Um, 
so yeah so uh, but I like the idea it's like by the way their pupils disappear they seem to lose this consciousness and they float off in bubbles and I guess this was something that was happening at the time during the 60s as well um, meditation was probably a new thing I imagine mm. um, and all this it felt very foreign and also like there's an element of fit, like you got like what Charles Manson and all this stuff that would have been around yeah. uh, 68 yeah 68 it's not just before 69 yeah. Yes, I think kind of tapping into that zeitgeist of like meditation as this hippie thing, but also the threat of what it might like hippies were seen like Texas Chainsaw style as well as not as being like a negative thing. <laughs> like these guys yeah. are crazy. They have loads of sex. They're a threat. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think one thing as well that always makes me laugh when I watched it back is I love their like uh, TV. <laughs> They've got one scene where... If you remember, it's all of them. This is a great piece of like animation here, but they've got, if you have them, all the elders sitting around a table talking about like, oh, what are we going to do about the arms or whatever on this station's blown up or something, whatever they're talking shit. And then it pans out and you see that they're in the middle. You see like there's four people standing above them, like looking yeah. out and like, what the fuck is going on? Then it pans out and you see that they're in a cube and it pans out further and you see there's little bubbles on each side of the cube which show the face of whoever's talking, much like a Zoom chat might do or something like that. Yeah. It pans out and they're in a coliseum and everyone's watching it. And then you realise, like, it's a talk show. It's basically what they're doing. It's like, a, it's like a chat show that they're having and everyone's just sitting there watching it. It's their form of, like, TV or entertainment or, like, I, I was thinking, I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, it's like a government meeting. Like, they're all, you know, they're all there to... Um, you know, like, I don't know, like it's, uh, what do they have in America? Like the Supreme Court, not Supreme, well, Supreme Court, whatever. Well, I thought it was um, like, we have uh, like Prime Minister's question time. Yeah, exactly. Something like that, right? Whereas looking at back at it now, watching it now, I'm like, oh, it's just, it's TV, right? They're just watching. <laughs> it's not like a thingy. It's like, that's their form of, uh, okay. Yeah. I don't know, it might not be. I might no, just be reading too much into that. But the fact they've got these little screens or whatever, I thought it was quite interesting. Um but, it's just yeah. full of so many yeah little uh, bits of invention, isn't it? Things like that. Like you yeah. said, the, like the crystals. I thought that was really impressive. Actually, yeah. I gasped. I was like, oh, when she when she shattered them, I was like, that's yeah. so cool. Like this idea that these crystals could just sprout up and like trap you, but yeah. all you need to do is there's a simple way to like uh, defeat them. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah, it's good. And they've got those like during that tv sequence as well if you remember they flash up images of like our planet and they show like oh look they are intelligent there's there's yeah. stuff here that shows that they were actually able to do stuff that there was a society here and it shows like abandoned so the idea is this is like way in the future but they show like abandoned uh, buildings and like bridges or whatever um and like a mask or whatever something random in the dirt um and all this and i was thinking it's weird like as if it's like a documentary or something um that they've just yeah. found these like little random bits uh, that's actually um made me think that might be a reference to the first film they made together oh really so they came together and oh, i've already forgotten the, the name of it um let me see if i can find it yeah the first thing they worked on was uh le temps mort so dead times in 1964 okay and um i haven't seen it i really want to watch it now but Apparently, um, Topor did these like really inky black and white kind of like um, illustrations for it. Mm -hmm. And it's very much, it's almost like a, 
like an essay and it also they put in some like archival kind of footage right it's like it's kind of like more like a documentary rt rt essay sort of thing just about how man has destroyed his world or like through war and pestilence it's quite a bleak film apparently how would you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Nice. Um, it's like a little bit of that slight seeped in through that uh that like uh flashback to yeah what the omnis have done it. to their planet well yeah exactly and that's it it's the it's the pessimism again right like you know you're, you're kind of thinking oh maybe they'll go back home to like earth or whatever and you're like there's no earth or if there is it's fucked basically yeah. um so again it's like this is our future like being the pets of some other some other planet so there's like this it's kind of hopeless it's a hopelessness and that's why when they get to like the savage planet and it's like oh um great you know this is totally not what we wanted and they start destroying those i love it when they start destroying those statues and the bulls start going crazy in the air like oh where do we go what do we do um what do you think i was saying with those statues well this is it right do do you think it's hopeful um yes but i think it's quite it's the worst thing about it basically is the ending so with those statues as well by the way i was thinking is that like a commentary on like culture, on high art, high culture, um, and how this is how they kind of, you know, I don't know, like how the higher classes are able to, you know, they fuck basically whilst um, it, through this like high, this dancing through the arts and culture and, you know, whatever, like the working classes then have to destroy it um, to survive because they want to, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. oh, we're here, we're is- here to like, 
survive and like be away from all this oppression. And we've got onto this like arty farty planet, which they've kept for themselves. Um, I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. At that time that you're starting to get this like neoclassical kind of style as well, aren't you? Like seeping Mm. into the mainstream culture, which is all like that kind of thing. Like, uh, like Greek statues and fine dining and hobnobbing. Yes, uh, exactly. Goes hand in hand with like swinging. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. And, you know, and they are the dirty, grubby, oppressed workers. Mm. Who are there um, to, like, fuck their shit up. <laughs> yeah. Just to it's worth mentioning as well, you know, we probably should have said this earlier when we talk about, like, the, uh, like what the film means, but you also got um, the backdrop of the breakup of the Soviet Union. Yeah. Um, which was going on at the time of the production. So there is that aspect as well of, no, and, and Czech, the Czech Republic actually specifically. Um, in fact, you know this. So this went into production in 1963. I'm not, I'm not sure at what point they actually started animating. Yeah. So Topol did the kind of pre-production, but then they like handed it over to this studio in Prague, mm. and were like you, you workers get on and make it. Mm. <laughs> um, 1968. There was the um, Prague Spring. Right. When Soviet Union were like, so it's all getting too liberal here, and there's too many Westerners in the country mm. take, taking advantage of our cheap workers. Right. Um, so that probably would have shut shut it down for a while, shut down production. It's funny actually because the the feeling the, the the ending does feel a bit rushed. Like you mm. said, uh, like his his character arc of Tur suddenly it's like yeah, and then everything was fine, and um, mm. you never see him again or hear about him. It does feel a bit kind of um, a little bit dissatisfying and flat. Yeah, it's just like it's not like you've had this particular connection to Ter or really any of the characters um, specifically. But it does literally just end with like, oh, you know, we've got to make peace with the Oms. Then the next thing they're sitting there and it's listening to one of the instructional headphones. They're going, and now there's two planets: one where they where we can go and procreate, and another one which is artificial where the arms live and they have cities and it's great at the end. And that's literally yeah. the end. You're like, ah. Um, so it's a really, yeah, as you said, unsatisfying ending. But it's, it is satisfying to a degree of like, you had a kind of climax with the arms destroying those drug statue yeah. things, which felt like revenge, basically. Yeah. And that was satisfying in its own way. Um and I, and I was thinking about this and it's like, because there hasn't really been much character stuff, it would be weird if it was just like his turn. He's like living on the planet and he's got a family now and he's happy. And I think I'd probably see that and go like, I'm not really bothered. Yeah. Like I wasn't yeah. really, I'm not really fussed about him. So it does end quickly, but at the same time, it's kind of fine. It's it's kind of a, I do think it lets itself down a little bit by just like sprinting off into the sunset at the end. Um, Like I would have liked a bit more, instead of hearing about it, it would have been nice to see some of it. Instead of having like, listening to it through the headphones, it's like, it would have been nice to just see it um, at this point. But uh, yeah. I've got a nice quote actually from René Lalou here. Oh yeah. He said, that which suggests is superior to that which shows. Movies today show yeah. more and more it's paranoid dictator cinema. 
Um, so that, that does feel like it kind of goes against his um, kind of like artistic direction, that ending. It's just mm. like, we're going to tell you quickly a little bit of a, yeah, wrap up. Yeah, exactly. They didn't have to, it could have been, I mean, you know, who knows? it could have been just something simple as like, oh, um, I don't know. Like, cause when I think about it, like, what would I want? They step off a rocket and there's like a city there or something like, I don't know. Um, but yeah, when they land on that, uh, on that planet and the statues are there and they're like, run back to the ship. I was really like, Oh my God, just nothing works out for these guys. And they have <laughs> gone from being literally cavemen yeah. to building space rockets within 15 years, which is incredible. <laughs> like for anyone. By anyone's um, standards. Yeah, I think there's also like one shot, I think we were talking about earlier, where like during that whole bit where it's like they're now learning about drug culture and they're becoming more intelligent and there's the schools and stuff, you'll notice they like start looking like drugs in a sense of the way they're sitting and paying attention, some of like mm. clothing-wise and all this stuff um, a little bit. And yeah. I think there's it starts to hint at that idea of like, you know, kind of t- uh, revolution, yeah, but like as in we become like our own enemy or whatever. I don't know. Like, um, you know, like power corrupts, I don't know, or something like that. Yeah. Like we're starting to turn into the drugs in some yeah. weird way and that it's like we would probably do exactly the same. In their, well, we do do exactly the same um, yeah. in their position. Yeah, um, It's not so. that hopeful a resolution i felt because you don't get the kind of like social integration that you might uh, expect a film like this might be putting forth the mm. uh the outcome is uh, we'll, we'll, we'll give you a little planet of your own you go over there um you know like a sort of ghetto yeah yeah i guess that's one way to look at it yeah you've got your little human planet and we'll keep our uh our weird uh elite sex planet yeah, but to be honest, keep it like it looks shit. I imagine if it's like you're going to make an artificial world, it's like, well, we'll make it a bit like Earth or something, a bit like where we came from because you don't want it this horrible landscape that you guys live in. Um, yeah, in my head, it was a bit like, I don't know, was it hopeful? I think so. I think the fact that you've seen them like grow and take on so much and, you know, human race, yeah, coming together and being able to survive um, and all this stuff I think is, is cool. It's good. Um, yeah. but which is kind of hopeful, but at the same time, um, yeah, it's just a bit of a, it's just a bit of a disappointing end because it just had such a build up to this one point. And then you've kind of got this climax and then it literally ends within 30 seconds of that happening. Yeah. <laughs> and I just would have liked a little room to breathe just at the end, just yeah. to really resonate with that. Um, and let that sit upon me a little bit longer. Um, Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's pretty good though. There's even stuff like talking about like the visual style, like when they see the wild tribe, they go past them, whatever, and they steal their food. And there's just those eyes in the darkness, it's just black, and you just see those eyes. And um, it's just horrifying. Some of these bits, yeah. like real like horror film fucking shit going on. Um, Lovely touches. Yeah. And going back to, you mentioned earlier, you know, the, the animation style here. Mm. Um, I think that all feeds into making it feel alien and a bit kind of like jerky and strange 
Um, you know, they chose to do this style that, that René Leloup had developed, I think, through his earlier films. Right. Which is this, you know, animating the cutout. So it's stop motion. Mm. Um, and an example of something similar, modern, it might be South Park. Yeah. So you actually, like, you know, do the illustrations, cut them out, and they're actually moving everything around. It just, yeah, I, mean, I think it looks beautiful. Mm. But yeah, it does kind of give an alien sort of aspect to it. Um, it kind of reminds me of like Terry Gilliam. It's an yeah, obvious it kind of one. Yeah. Um, the only other thing I thought like visually that it kind of maybe looked a bit like was Yellow Submarine. Yep. Which would have I come can't. out, I think, was that like 1969? Yeah, I think 68, 69, something. So they would have like, production would have been well underway anyway, but I don't know, maybe at some point it might have influenced them. Like like that blue hand flying around in Yellow Submarine, and you think like right at the beginning of this film, there's like a big blue hand coming down, pushing them down yeah. the hill. Yeah. Um, apparently, when the film came out, um, it was often shown in I don't know if it's in the UK or in the US, but it was often shown as like a double bill kind of sci-fi mm, um, with Yellow Submarine. Oh, okay. Interesting. Um, and also, apparently, with Logan's Run. Oh, really? I love Logan's Run, though. <laughs> Um, I can kind of see that, <laughs> I guess. It's kind of, you know, one man trying to change society, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I think they make, <laughs> all make pretty good films. Yeah. We should do Logan's Run. I think they're yeah. going to remake that at some point when they're remaking everything. But um, yeah. It's inevitable. <laughs> it's inevitable. The other important aspect of this film, mm. um, like you mentioned, Sam, Mm. The music, mm. that's what people get excited about. Mm. Um, so, this Alan Goragria, how do you say it? Goragin? That's him. Yeah. I thought it sounded a bit like the French version of Gallagher. It does, yeah, you're right. Daniel Goragur. Yeah. It's my... You should do that. It's my, my, my Gaul name. Um, yeah. Yeah, so Alan, he was a... Um, he 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 was a frequent collaborator of Serge Gainsbourg's. Right. Um, so this music, you know, it's it's really like proggy, psychedelic jazz funk. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's something very sort of like French Italian about it, I think. Yeah. And yeah. the fact that he worked so extensively, like with Serge, uh, mm-hmm. other other artists like Jean Ferret. Mm-hmm. Um, well, he won and, the Eurovision Song Contest in '65. Apparently, with Serge Gainsbourg. Yeah. He did well. He, I wasn't sure about that because that song was written by Serge Gainsbourg and uh, performed by uh, I can't remember her name now. France, uh, France Gal. Yeah, but Gaul. so I'm not sure what his role in 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 that was because he didn't write it. I don't know. I just read uh, it and I'm just reading uh-huh. it out because <laughs> I wrote no. I was like, I love you, Richard Song Contest. So great. Um, I don't know if that's a yeah. I'm not sure what he did in that in that mm. song. Um, but I think, you know, he's like so, so linked to that sound of French pop from the 70s that even just hearing this, it's like, there's something, something French <laughs> or at least like European about it. Mm. Um, it's very French and it's, it's the kind of sounds that people still use to this day. So like, the, like I suppose the more contemporary um, version of this, maybe I was thinking of Sebastian Tellier who has very that. similar... Um, oh mate, Sebastian Tillier is great. He uh, 
French guy. He did um, La Ritonelle. That. On a piano. You'd know. I want to spend my life with you. It sounds like, um, <laughs> musically, it sounds like Blurred by Piano Man. No. From the mid-90s. Do you remember that? No, and I'm not uh, even going uh, <laughs> to entertain it. I'm not going to bite on that. No. Um, anyway, so it sounds a bit like that, but he had, I mean, he's French and he's obviously, his sound is very French. And, uh, you know, kind of with that Daft Punk, you yeah. know, I wouldn't be surprised if Daft Punk sample this kind of stuff all the time. Yeah. Um, it's very sexual. You've got those kind of female like ah ah noises or whatever, and all this stuff around it, which makes watching the film weirdly unsettling because it just it kind of marries up to it so nicely, and yet it's so fucking shouldn't as well. Like it's weird. It's got these weird strings. It's got these weird synths. Um, it's yeah, strangely French. It could fit into like a could fit into like a porn film 70s european porn film of some sort you could hear it in like a club or something yeah. i don't know and yet well, it's somehow the background to this like yeah planet apparently um like club djs were sampling it mm. you know like in the 70s so it seems to have like had a long life it's probably more prominent than the film for a couple of decades yeah um like you said i think i don't know if DJ Shadow, maybe? Apparently yeah, I think DJ Shadow has done it, yeah. But I don't know Jay Diller. Right. Mad Lib. He's mad, he is Mad Lib. Don't know. Bloody sampling this 70s French soundtrack shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're hip-hop producers. Right. Um, yeah, like I, I, what I like about it, like you say, it, it shouldn't marry up, but it kind of does to the film. Mm. I suppose that's because like, I'm used to a certain type of soundtrack to this kind of thing, mm. you know. And as the film gets darker or, like, the danger or peril intensifies in the scene, I expect the music to get, like, angrier or more tense or darker, right? Mm. But here it just gets damn funkier. Mm. Yeah. It's like, oh, they're being, they're being forced to fight each other. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, that's kind of like uh, even more unsettling. Yeah, it is really unsettling. Um, yeah, it's it's weird because it's like, I don't know, like there's something about it which makes me think that with the music, I feel like I'm watching, I feel like I'm watching a, French, a learn French video or something, but it happens to be a violent sci-fi like horror or something like that. Um, like it's kind of turned on its head. Um, but there's something quite charming, innocent, easy listening almost about it. Yeah. Again, something that's so brutally harsh that's happening on screen. Um, and it just, that, that just, that weird disconnect is something that it just draws me in all the time. And it just sounds great. Like on its own isolated. Um, it sounds really good uh, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, so you liked it as well then, yeah? Yeah, it kind of reminded me of like some of the prog bands of the era. So like post Sid Barrett, Pink Floyd, before they got really like commercial, kind of like, like metal, 
Atom Heart Mother era. Mm. Um, and some of the kind of like, especially like German prog and kraut rock bands, like Guru Guru, you heard of them? No. Um, maybe some like, bit of can. Okay. Except with this, it's like you got that. If you like prog, you probably like it. But but then like the funk aspect is so much stronger here. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was good. And I've given it a listen as well as a soundtrack separately. And um, I'll report back when we hit Nerd Corner. Mm. Um, we're not quite ready to go there yet because um, we're going to... I thought we could have a little chat about other recommendations um and maybe sam i'll share my report on the yeah. uh, short films that i've saw uh, i saw the other uh day yeah i i haven't really got there's nothing else that really compares to this for me i literally can't think of anything randomly the only thing i can think of is salad fingers <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't know why that's the first thing that pops into my head um, yeah. something that's weirdly like innocent and looks like he's on another planet and yet is strangely disturbing and horrific at the same time. Um, that was, ba- that was basically an online sensation about 15 years ago, I feel like yeah. or something. Um, uh, but yeah, I can't, um, I can't, I honestly can't think of anything that's even like it. So yeah, I'm interested to hear what these other films were like. Um, yeah, well, before I get to those, I, I did draw a few other comparisons. Like I spent, I thought, Especially like the novel sounds like it's reminiscent of uh, another French sci-fi novel, Planet du Sange. Okay. Which obviously brought to the big screen as uh, Planet of the Apes. Um, uh, just in that uh, sense of like, let's, you know, let's use another society, but we'll put the human in the role of the oppressed um, and, you know, turn the tables and flip the script so you get to see what it's like for the other side. Yeah. Um, so that's a kind of obvious one. Um, have you ever seen Pink Floyd's The Wall? No. Well, only that music video, that one video of the song. So unless so it's the whole film, I haven't watched yeah, the whole film. Yeah, it was made a lot late. It was like made in the 80s. Um, and it's got, um, what's his name from the Boomtown Rats? Bob Geldof in it. Bob Geldof, yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of live action, but there's also a lot of animated sequences. Okay. And just the look of those sequences, I mean, it's very dystopic. Um, but yeah, there's something about that. And obviously, like I said, like Yellow Submarine's got some similar, some similar visual styles. Mm. Um, yeah, I feel like I should have a lot, but I honestly haven't thought about this. So I don't know. <laughs> Maybe if I sat and had a think, but um, yeah, nothing comes to the top of my head. So Sorry. I'll tell you about uh, Les Escargots. Mm-hmm. So this was like the second film that this duo made together. Mm-hmm. It's just like 10 minutes long from 1966. Right. And it's, it's, it's quite silly. It's kind of funny. Already, you know, they're establishing that visual style. You know, his um, kind of like that, that cross hatching, you know. Yeah. And that's quite um, specific to him. Yeah. And it's about, it's, it's most, mostly... No, it's all it's all silent. I think there's no dialogue in it. It's this farmer, and he can't get anything to grow, so he's like really sad, and he cries. His tears spring forth the crops, huge cabbages, right? And they won't stop growing. Okay, so they grow massive, and these massive cabbages 
attract massive snails. Right. Um, so then the problem is the snails go on a rampage. They, like, go to the city. And um, it's really cool in the city. Because it's, it's kind of like a, almost like a um, parody of, like, an American like King Kong or something, you know, you, right. know, you see into people's like bedroom windows and it makes it look like Paris. I assume it's Paris. It makes yeah. it look like it's just full of like artists, models and prostitutes because it's just like women running around in like negligees and the, <laughs> like the stuffy businessman. Ooh. Um, but you see like, it's very comedic. Like you see the, um, I don't know what they're called, like the stalks okay. on, on the snail's head. Oh yeah. It's like, yeah. Antenna. Like popping up through the window, <laughs> like a peeping Tom. Um, but yeah, they terrorize the city and you see people that are running, running amok. And basically they just, they just die. Like the next scene, you see they all like piled themselves up and they're all dead, all the snails. And it's like, phew, thank God that's over. Um, and then like the, the end is the farmer goes out and he's like, starts crying again. And these like big carrots grow. Yeah. And the final shot is like these three huge rabbits just like <laughs> pop their eyes up over the hill. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> How weirdly so, um, comic. Yeah. yeah, it's very comical. It's quite silly. Um, very Terry Gilliam. Yeah, then I watched a couple of his pieces of work from 1987. Mm. Um, and it's like changed so much. Uh, but the first one I saw was like a short called How Wang Fo Was Saved. Okay. And it's based on some, like, Japanese uh, folk tale, I think. Mm. Um, it's just, like, really quite, again, it was quite brutal. It had, had a gentle vibe, but it had some brutal moments. But it was quite sort of, like, lyrical and poetic. It was really quite beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's about this um, guy who's, like, going around with his master, who's, like, an, an amazing artist mm-hmm. in feudal japan and he like draws the guy's wife and the wife is so overcome by the beauty of the painting that she is like dissatisfied by herself and like hangs herself jesus and then you basically just like see that you know like for years they just roam around the countryside painting you know, and it's all, it's quite philosophical. It's all about like how he puts himself and like reinterprets what he's seeing. And anyway, like then plot wise, he gets summoned by like the, the emperor. Um, and it's like, oh, what have I done? And he basically goes, I was brought up as a little boy, like cloistered within the halls of this palace and never saw the outside world. Um, but your, but my father collected your paintings and like through your paintings, I like saw the incredible beauty of the world and like everything was enhanced and enriched. Um, and then when I saw the real world, it was just a total disappointment to me. Um, so I hate you for that. Wow. And so he's like, so your punishment is going to be, I'm going to cut out your eyes and cut off your hands. Fucking hell. Um, and you're like, Jesus. And, oh, and the, so the, the guy, he's like, follower is the narrator right. um and he goes to say something and they just chop his head off so it's like yeah. shit like really really shocking because you're like well i did not expect the narrator to get killed yeah, killed um but then they go before you are blinded and have your hands chopped off you you can just finish this 
had this one painting that, that you never finished. Can you can you finish it? And he starts painting, and he's painting like the water, and the water kind of comes out and just floods the whole court. Right. And you kind of see then um, both him and the guy who's had his head chopped off kind of escape into the painting and sort of sail off. Oh, that's nice. Um, so yeah, it's really like, and then you kind of think, I'm not sure how to interpret that ending, or it's very dreamlike. Yeah. Interesting. Um, and then the other thing I saw, I won't go into too much detail about this one because this was a full length film, mm. um, Gandahar from mm-hmm. 1987. So weird, Sam. Like suddenly it's all like Masters of the Universe. <laughs> really? Yeah. It made me think of like the evil horde from <laughs> like She Ra. Yeah. Um, you can still see he's got, I don't know if Alan uh, Topor was involved in this. But he's retained some of that like crosshatch style. Um, but yeah, it's, it's again, it's like in this like idyllic paradise of a world. Um, but it's shattered. And it's got far more of like a kind of like questing, like sci-fi fantasy kind of feel to it and, and, and yeah. plot. And actually the plot becomes so high concept and convoluted, it starts to, I think... Um, smother some of the interesting themes that are that are in it. Yeah. Um, but there's there's some there are some cool themes in it. Like basically they're being attacked by this army of robots, mm-hmm. and they don't know why or who they are or what they want. Um, and it all turns out they're being controlled by um, uh, an experiment gone wrong. Mm. And you find out that actually this like idyllic society. Um, this utopia is actually kind of built on, you know, they've got some, they've got dark past mm. and they've, they've created like a, a slave, well, not a slave race, but they've created an underclass that are yeah. now like, you know, they've been rejected from, from their perfect society and it, it all kind of comes back to haunt them. Okay. Um, so some cool. similar kind of themes in there. Yeah. I did think it was good. Is it better than um, Fantastic Planet? Do you think? No. Right. Absolutely no. Okay. Um, Good. <laughs> yeah. But I'd recommend watching it. And it's weird. Like I said, just seeing it, it like in the 80s, it does. It looks like He Man. Brilliant. Did you watch um, the Power of Greystone as well? Oh, which no. I've heard of. Yeah, I was talking to you about it a few weeks ago. It's I remember. It's on yeah. Netflix. Yeah, it's good. I don't, I don't have Netflix. Can I watch it on, uh, is yeah, it on the Pirate Bay? Probably. Um, does that even exist anymore? I don't know. What was the guy's name? It's like Kim One or something that owned it. Kim.com. That was his name, wasn't it? One of my friends said that Kim Jong un. One of my friends said that he was on a yacht owned by Kim.com, if that's his name. Um, randomly, apparently he's uh he's as sleazy and horrible as you can imagine he would be. Yeah, I just um (laughs) basically I think the same as (laughs) when I went into the film. Yeah. Um just a really like visually stunning film, really interesting, amazing um, invention in populating this fantastic planet. Um, but yeah, really kind of uh, shows us some important kind of like reflections on our behavior. Mm. Um, and I do think ultimately pessimistic about the nature of people and the nature of like societal structures. Um, amazing, brilliant. For me, I thought it was uh, an inspiring 
Original, beautiful movie that fills me with a strange terror and despair I can't put my finger on. I've written this out this time. It never ceases to amaze me and draw me in. It's pure imagination and the soft pastel colours, the way it's so uniquely human, yet so completely nightmare fuel, (laughs) is really, uh, really unique. Um, I don't think I've seen anything else really that's actually stayed in my head for so long in terms of actual like scenes and pictures and stuff. Um, and it just pushes the limit of my comprehension, basically, of what the mind nice. and imagination can achieve. And that's, uh, you know, that's bold. Inspiring. That's what we thought. But, but what did ever other people think? Okay. I don't On know. What internet. did other people think? I hate it. Al, uh, from the UK. Mm. said most depressing 72 minutes spent watching a film <laughs> depressing oh, it is depressing God, I can think of some other films I could show him <laughs> um, yeah well it's not a laugh a minute let's be honest <laughs> OMG <laughs> 72 minutes of my life gone I will never get them back I hate it when people say this like when they didn't like something and they're like oh I'll never get that time back you know, sorry but if, yeah, what are you doing that on, time if you want to take a risk on having any experience in life, you've got to accept that you've invest some time. Yeah. Cut out, yeah. dickhead. This was one of the worst, most depressing films I have ever seen. Can't really say much else about it, nor do I wish to spend too much time over this. It all starts coming back to me. <laughs> oh, that sad, dark, poorly animated, ugly little film. Just totally avoid. Well, didn't like it then. <laughs> Hopefully <laughs> dramatic. It's ridiculous. Oh, <laughs> uh, Lord. Any other um, decent ones? Sue McQueen. Mm. Copied disc only. Rip off. Right. <laughs> I was expecting product to be in package as shown. I got a copied <laughs> disc and that's it. That would rip genuinely off. fuck me off. That would that is a fucking rip off. And she should uh, critique that harshly based <laughs> based upon that. <laughs> Um, most people are complaining about uh, about their, their crappy uh, versions. Mm. Um, we've got a good one here, quite a long one. Almost interesting story. Naive, clumsy animation. That's just sad. I feel like this is from people who've grown up watching like the Pixar. Yeah. Um, you know these these Pretty Prague man. animators were were artisans. Mm. Um. True. I would be forced to label, forced, I'm not sure who by, to label Fantastic Planet clumsy and naive. The plot is the most interesting aspect. What's it being naive? What's it being naive about? <sighs> Strange term. Ridiculous. It's naive. It's set, it's set on a different planet. <laughs> it's not real. It's completely a complete work of fucking fiction. What's it being naive about? It's the opposite of naive. It's, it's, uh, it's a cynical satire, isn't it? It's such a weird word to use, but okay. Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, the story moves at a lethargic, almost disinterested pace, and the very European soundtrack does little to keep the tempo moving. As a matter of fact, the end of the film is flaccidly delivered as an almost casual afterthought. Fair enough. Character design and art direction are terribly dated, if not poor. Dated? Yeah. And the animation itself is very limited. 
to what? Yeah. What's that mean? Yeah, what the, do you want like, like some, like, like we've, we've had a bit of stop motion. Can we now have some CGI? And yeah. What do you mean limited some, like, to the technology cell. of the day? Like, yes, no. <laughs> probably. Right. I don't um, understand it. Why do, do like I have a problem bird? with everyone who's wrong? <laughs> Maybe he's right. Maybe he's right. Would you would you say Fantastic Planet was a was a comedy? Would you get expecting laughs? Um, I do find a, a bits of it funny, and I think some of it's well, purposely funny. So, well, Chris didn't. <laughs> Unfortunately, Fantastic Planet is neither funny nor visually polished. Do you think he was looking for like <laughs> planet? What is it? Journey to the center of the Earth, or whatever, or <laughs> some, yeah. some kind of like Will Ferrell comedy? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, what was that Galaxy Quest? Maybe he was looking for Galaxy, yeah, Galaxy Quest. Yeah, um, two amazing. The most films. amusing part of the voiceover occurs during the council meetings. One of the council members was voiced by a guy who did voiceovers for the Super Friends, oh and his God. annoying nasally whine is totally obvious. Uh, my God, he should be the nerd of Nerd's Corner. <laughs> who the fuck is going to notice that? Okay, mm-hmm. fine. I'm afraid he is not the nerd of Nerd Corner because that is me and let's go there <laughs> now. Right now. So just uh, going to talk about the soundtrack a bit here. Mm. Um, it was released initially in France only uh, in 1973 on the Pathé label in a lovely gatefold sleeve. It's, um, it's really cool. Mm. Um, really cool and there's like stills inside um, do you know how much you'd pay for one of those roughly well back in the day or now now a lot I don't know 200 quid you'd be you'd be lucky if you got on for 200 probably about 250 maybe okay in ballpark anyway right. um, it was then reissued again in 1976 and 1978 but these are also very rare Mm. Um, it wasn't then until 2000 that mm. it kind of uh, got reissued again and that was only um, in the UK and Japan so hey, really? Japan got a CD on Rambling Records um, and that's got a really cool cover actually I think that's quite a nice snazzy uh, pickup. Mm-hmm. Um, in the UK we got CD and an LP on DC mm. recordings um, those have got on the cover so the original one it's got a picture of um Tiva holding yep. uh That's tear. one of the drugs, by the way. That's yeah. Teenage um, Leona. This UK reissue from two thousand, it's got a picture of the two I know exactly uh, drugs what shot you're talking about, but yeah. So it's got the shot of the what, the two uh, the UK versions have got a sh- uh, still of the two drugs that are attacked by the wild OMS. So they're standing there oh, and yeah. they're sort of like they're just about to be pulled over. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's great, cool. that is, yeah. I forgot about that bit. That's brilliant. Um, in the US, it didn't get released until 2011 um, on CD by Master Classics Records. When I looked on Discogs, only two people claimed to have this, so it must be pretty scarce. Jeez. Um, so again, at this point, still like not many copies out there and pretty rare, and it's only really recently... Um, so in 2014, Superior Viaduct, who are a label who do a lot of reissues, pretty good. Um, they put out a version in the US. 
Um, and since then, they've put it out again in 2018 and again uh, this year. Right. So it's nice. It's like remastered and it's been oh, given yeah. the like nice deluxe packaging treatment. Um, and as well as black vinyl, each year there's been a different color variant. Okay. So what, what color vinyl would you expect your Fantastic well, Planet to be? I'd probably expect it blue, let's be honest. Yeah, 2014, nice blue disc. Mm. Um, and since then there's been a red and a yellow. Mm. And you can sort of pick these up for, I mean, it seems to be like really erratic online, but I think about 50 quid seems yeah. to be the going, which is still quite pricey, but... Uh, yeah. It's yeah. a bit of, bit of history there, though. That's nice. I, I would, you know, like to get one of those in me old mitts. I reckon you'd like it just for the packaging. It's quite yeah, cool. Yeah, so do I. Yeah. Just nice to have. Um, that's cool. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, it's, um, in all honesty, it's like, it's one of my favourite films. It's a great soundtrack. Um, it's just a, it's a, a little gem that um, I feel like from... 2002 maybe when I watched it um the fact that I'd never heard of it before and I didn't really hear about it again until maybe about five years ago when it just it pops up every now and then or whatever but um yeah I feel like it's you know it's still a bit cult and still relatively unknown but I feel like people do get a bit more um popularity I imagine now uh, yeah, like, certainly in the UK, I think around the, probably just after you <laughs> splashed out all that money yeah. in Australian DVD, I think around that time it got issued by like Eureka yeah. DVD with like right. a full nice package and everything. And since then, obviously, it's like on all the streaming services and things. So it's mm. definitely getting a bit more recognition. Yeah, I think if anyone's like going through it and they see an animation thing called Fantastic Planet, um. It's not for kids. <laughs> don't yeah. think it. Don't think it's a Disney film or something. Um, it's not. Um, cool. Dan, should we see what we're going to do next week? Yes, let's do that. I hope we're doing a game. Uh, well, if we're going by how we normally do it, we'd be doing an album. Oh, even better. Do, we can do a game, but um, oh no, we're going to do an album. Let's do it. Right, let's figure out what it is. Uh, it's one of yours good it might be a bit difficult for me it is really <laughs> Jesus Lizard <laughs> pure cool great there you go Dan uh, so this is the Jesus Lizard's debut EP oh thank god I mean 19 oh <laughs> <laughs> 1989 right. uh, before they had a drummer in the band um, is this on Spotify yeah surely. surely 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 okay good 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 um, so uh, yeah we'll have a look at that a little bit of the uh, beginnings of that band Chicago based uh, noise rock band nice that went on to become hugely influential uh, we'll be, yeah have a look at the roots and their first few recordings mm-hmm. and who knows maybe it'll be the start of a beautiful series on the Jesus Lizard yeah who knows <laughs> <laughs> I know the answer to that um, no great uh, cool so that's it guys um, thank you and if you enjoyed the show obviously 
um, leave five stars, please, on your podcast platform. You, you don't have to leave five, but it'd be nice if you did. Because um, we haven't done that for a while. And I don't think I've got it in any of the outros or intros that we've done. But give us a rating because we make it makes it go up. Everything's been a bit stagnant, I feel like, with all the <laughs> all the listens. We need more people to listen, to so go out there and push it and promote it. Um, but again, push it always, real good. Yes, exactly. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, that's goodbye for me. And me. I thought you were going to do the two Ronnie's thing. Why well, I specifically undermined that attempt to do two Ronnie's. <laughs> <laughs> Sabotaged it. Uh, um, and goodbye from him. Uh, <laughs> just get in there. Yeah. And we'll see you all next week. Goodbye. Adios. <laughs>